of course, I like the Psalms. You know, they just the Psalms are just a, a good expression. If you just read through the Psalms, there's so many Psalms just talk about the goodness of God, the bigness of God, and it's good to just read through the Psalms and be encouraged to to also uh, do the things that it says to do. Uh, and so, uh, here in Psalm 100. Uh, it says in verse 4, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And I was just thinking about uh, the thankfulness that we have for the Lord. Amen. We should always be thankful f- uh, for the Lord and for the things that he's done. Uh, and, and in that, you know, in the church over the years, of course, we hear a lot of things taught. We're going to hear them here, but just in the church in general, we hear a lot of things. Uh, and what happens, you know, when people hear things, well, well, you know, so-and-so died, and so God took them, you know, because he needed him in heaven more than he needed him on the earth, which, of course, is a terrible thing to say and not true. But there's a lot of little things like that that get uh, snuck into the church, things that, are, that uh, people uh, attribute to God that God didn't do. And what happens a lot of times is people in a church actually become resentful to the Lord. You know, an accident happens. Well, God has, you know, God's ways. We talked about that last week. God's ways are higher than our ways. Uh, well, they are. That means that they're better. They're just like our ways, except better, right? We should be able to understand his ways. Uh, uh, making you have an accident is not something that you would do, uh, and so it's not something God would do. Uh, and so, uh, but a lot of times people hear those things, well, you know, God allowed me to be sick to teach me patience or teach me something, or, you know, and of course they never learn whatever it is that he's trying to teach them. So not only are they... Um, uh, wrong but they're also not very bright about all those things but uh, and so uh, but that resentment uh, kind of gets in their hearts about God they get resentful to God well you know all these hard things in my life God is allowing all these hard things in my life uh, and without ser- searching for the actual truth that God is not doing those things many times it's the enemy of mankind the devil that is, that is doing those things and oftentimes it's not even the devil it's just oftentimes we shoot ourselves in the foot uh, and then we get mad at God because he didn't stop us from shooting ourselves in the foot. And he, but, you know, all the, through your life, he said, hey, don't you shoot yourself in the foot. And then you do, and you're like, uh, and then so we get, oftentimes we get resentful to the Lord. And then that'll breed, you know, rebellion. It'll re- re- breed uh, unforgiveness toward the Lord. And it'll end up causing our course and direction of life to change without even really realizing it. You know, we'll stop going to church. We'll stop fellowshipping with his people. We'll stop praying or reading his word. Uh, and, and it just breeds and, and, and builds up there. Uh, and so if, if you have an attitude of thankfulness to the Lord, we're not thankful for the bad things we go through because God didn't bring them to begin with. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus. We're thankful that he died on a cross for us. We're thankful that he gave us his spirit, that he pr- produced the word of God for us. So we're thankful for all the wonderful things he has done. And that will help override a lot of the things that uh, we think that God did that, of course, he didn't do. And I just wanted to read, you know, a contrasting verse there in the New Testament. Uh, this is uh, in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. And he says, uh, in verse 1, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, or dangerous times shall come. Well, are we living in the last days? We've been living in the last days since Jesus left the earth, right? And so uh, are perilous times coming? It seems like they're here all the time, right? Uh, he says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because he, he puts in uh, blasphemers right next to disobedient to parents. You know, you think, well, blasphemy has got to be a terrible thing. It is a terrible thing. But apparently so is being disobedient to your parents, right? And so, uh, and then he says, unthankful. Uh, and so uh, he said, in the last days, 
people will become unthankful. And, of course, in our society today, you just ask anybody about, you know, are we thankful for God? Well, I don't even believe God. You know, uh, uh, God did all these terrible things to us, uh, and uh, if they even believe in God. Uh, and, and Paul said this is uh, a measurement of, of the last days, that these things are going to happen in the last days. And, of course, he goes through a bunch of other terrible things, right? Uh, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, denying the, ple- uh, the power thereof. Uh, he says, for such turn away. But right in the middle of all those terrible list of things, he talks about being unthankful. Uh, and unthankfulness is such a, such a sneaky way to get into people's lives that uh, they're so unthankful. And even just in general, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that we live in the United States of America. I'm thankful that uh, I get to live in a free country. I'm thankful that the Lord has established this country the way that he did. I'm thankful that we have an elected government that uh, is, not, uh, uh, is not tyrannical. And, you know, I mean, we don't always like everything the government does, but it could be worse. Amen. Uh, you hear so many people run down our country and it's like, well, go, you know, here's a list of other countries you go to that, would, that you think is better, but it's much worse. Right. Uh, they, they confiscate 80 percent of your income. Uh, and so uh, I'm thankful for I am. Amen. I'm thankful for what God has done for me. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful that I've uh, been forgiven of all my sins. Amen. Uh, and if we'll do that, see, it'll, it'll keep us from, from getting into this list. You want to be on this list? Don't be on this list. This is a bad list, right? There's some other good lists. This is the bad list. Don't be on this list, right? And we thought, well, I didn't do those terrible things. Are you unthankful? Uh, well, you know, well, then you're right there, right next to blasphemers, right? I mean, that's a terrible... You know, who's your best friend? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just unthankful. Well, who you sit next to? A blasphemer, right? Uh, and so uh, you want to be that guy? Don't be that guy, right? Uh, and so, uh, and the way to do that is you go back to, and you read the Psalms. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done for us. I'm so thankful for what he's provided for us. Amen. Um, and, it's, and it's not just natural things, it's spiritual things. I'm so thankful the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me that he leads me and guides me in all truth, that he shows me things to come. I'm so thankful for these things. Amen. And so be careful to, to resist the temptation to become resentful to the Lord, to become unthankful for the Lord. Now, we're not thankful for these weird things. You know, I'm thankful that the Lord allowed me to have an accident. You know, the Lord didn't do that. Amen. I'm so thankful the Lord broke my leg. He didn't do that. Amen. Because that would be weird to be thankful for that. And yet sometimes church doctrine tells you be thankful for these terrible things. I'm never going to be thankful for terrible things. I'm thankful that the Lord gives me the authority over the devil who brings the terrible things. Amen? And so can we enter his gates with, with praise, with thanksgiving, his courts with praise? You know, we can. Amen? We'll get a chance to do that here in just a minute. So why don't we stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. To us, to mankind, Father. Thank you, Father. Redeemed us, Father, from destruction, from sickness and disease, from poverty and lack, Father. You've been so good to us. Father, all of these things make you worthy. You are worthy to be worshipped and to be praised, Father. And Father, you stand alone in them. No one else in all the created universe is worthy to be worshipped. Only you, Father. Only you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. You are the great and mighty King. You are the great and kind Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we just thank you. And Father, we choose as an act of our will to always give you praise and honor. To enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. Because you are worthy, Father, to be thanked and worthy to be praised. We lift up our hands, Father, without wrath and doubt. Father, we choose to keep our place to worship you, Father. We will not be replaced, Father, with natural things. You said, Father, if we don't worship you, even the very rocks will cry out. Father, we will not have our place taken by that which came from dirt. Father, we will worship you. We thank you, Father. We choose to give you praise and honor. We choose to adore you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. We choose to worship you. Thank you. Thank you. And Father, for all of these things, we give you thanksgiving, praise and honor for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? We appreciate his goodness and kindness. Amen. You know, we were singing that first song about worthy is the lamb. And um, I got to thinking about uh, what's going on in heaven, amen? And, and here in the book of Revelation in chapter 5, of course, the apostle John wrote, wrote the book. Uh, and um, as he's progressing through here in the book of Revelation, you know, the book of Revelation uh, is, gives us details about how things are going to be wrapped up at the end, amen? There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, and the Lord has to deal with some things before we get a new heaven and, and a new earth. Uh, and uh, he's going to deal with sin once and for all. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if people are smart, we will allow the Lord Jesus to deal with sin by washing away the sin out of our lives and, uh, and accepting the payment that he's made for that sin. But, you know, every man is not that intelligent. There's a lot of really dumb people in the world who think that they can either earn their way to heaven or that God will overlook their sin. Well, neither one will happen. God has not, never overlooked a single sin. He has chosen to deal with sin by providing the blood of Jesus to wash that sin away. He's made the payment for the sin, and a wise person would accept the payment that the Lord has provided for them and be redeemed from that sin and be washed uh, clean from that sin. That's what an intelligent human being does. All men are not that smart, right? There are a lot of really dumb people in the world, people who, are, uh, who have uh, great and a large number of degrees after their name uh, to show their level of stupidity, amen? Uh, and so, but here John is in heaven, and he says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, he says, And I saw in the right hand, uh, right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Now, uh, when this book is opened, it begins the end of all things. 
the Lord starts dealing with sin. Many people die and, and are destroyed in the earth. Much of the earth is destroyed because of this, this book is opened and these seals are broken. Uh, and, but it's necessary uh, for that to happen so that we can get to a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, and we pray for the Lord to, to delay this event as long as possible, to give us an opportunity to pray for those around us, to get them into heaven, to get them on their way to heaven, to get the Lord Jesus in their hearts so that they don't become part of, of the destruction that, that's uh, fixing to be released by the opening of this book. Uh, and he says, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And so the angel is declaring and asking the question, who's worthy to open this book? Uh, and, and John continues in verse 3, And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open the book and to read the book, and neither to look thereon. Well, why is no man found worthy? Because if I open the book, I'm going to say, Lord, get this guy. Lord, destroy that person. Lord, uh, kill that person. Destroy that country first. I will do it with vengeance and bitterness in my heart. And no one's worthy who has that in their hearts to do that. No one is worthy to, to Lord, get them. Anybody who has that in their hearts is unworthy to, to open the book. Only someone who, who, although it's wrath that will be poured out, still has a heart of, of, uh, of kindness in them, a heart to care for people. Even though they know that people will be destroyed, they still don't do it with vengeance. Uh, and so uh, John wept much. No man was found worthy because everybody else would have done it with bitterness in their heart, anger in their heart. Lord, get them. Here's my list. Start with this guy first. Uh, and no one's worthy. No, no one is worthy to do that. Uh, and so, uh, and they looked everywhere. They looked above the earth in heaven. They looked on the earth. They even looked under the earth. You know you're not going to find anybody worthy under the earth, right, and talk about hell uh, that would be worthy. To, but they still looked. There's got to be somebody worthy to open this book so that sin can be dealt with and the world can be cleansed and we get a new heaven and a new earth. But they couldn't find anyone. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, and having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and every tongue and the people and the nations. And so Jesus is the only one worthy to open that book. Amen. It's not going to be a good book to open in the sense of what prevails after the book is opened, but he's the only one that can do it without vengeance in his heart. He's the only one who can do it without gladness of the destruction that's to, that's to follow. Amen? People think sometimes when, when the end of days come and all the world stands before the great white throne judgment, of course the world will stand before the, the, the great white throne judgment, the church will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but everybody will stand before a judgment seat, the world and all the church. Amen? Uh, and, and so uh, uh, in that time when that occurs, you know, Jesus is, is not going to be mad. When the world stands before him, and he's, going to, he's only going to ask the world one question. 
He's going to go, did you receive me while you were on the earth? And of course, he knows the answer because he calls them sheep and goats, right? And we're the sheep of the, of the Lord and the goat's going to come uh, and they stand before him. He already knows the answer to the question, but he has to hear them declare, I have not accepted you. And then he'll, he'll send them, turn them around and they'll have to go spend eternity in the region of the damned uh, from that point. He's not going to be mad when that happens. He, his heart will be grieved because he created our spirits. The Bible says he's the father of all spirits. Every person that's in hell today in torment was created by God. Uh, and, and yet they chose as an act of their will to not pursue God and not allow him to come into their hearts. Uh, and so he's the only one worthy to open that book and to begin the end of time. Amen. Uh, and so we're thankful for him. Amen. He's not doing that of vengeance and anger. And well, I'm finally going to get back at all those people that have said these terrible things about me, written terrible things on the Internet about me, stood up and said, God is dead. Uh, he, he's not going to do it out of anger. He, he's going to do it with, with a broken heart in that sense, that he has to turn his very creation back into, uh, into the, the eternity uh, in the region of the damned where there's, there'll be torment. He's not looking forward to that day. Amen? But it has to happen. God has to deal with sin. He will deal with sin. Uh, he's already dealt with sin in one sense uh, by the Lord Jesus, but he has to deal with all sin that, that uh, is unredeemed. Uh, all sin has been paid for, but everybody hasn't received that work of redemption. Uh, and, and so that outstanding debt has to be paid. Uh, and, and the church is, is, should be out there saying, hey, your debt's been paid, but you have to receive the work of that debt. You have to receive the work of that payment that was paid for your debt in order for your account to be wiped clean. Uh, and if you don't, your account is still your responsibility, and you will never be good enough to pay for that sin. You will never be good enough to wipe that slate clean. Only Jesus is worthy and good enough to pay for that, which he's already done. It's already a done deal. The, there, there's a coupon with your name on it uh, to have all your uh, slate wiped clean. Amen. Get out of jail free card. But you have to accept it. You have to choose to, to allow the Lord Jesus to do that for you. Because uh, if not, that book will be open someday. And when that book is open, then the beginning of all, the end of all things begins. Uh, and then uh, if you go through the red, the, all the seven seals, every time a seal is open, you know, great destruction occurs on the earth. People's lives are lost probably by the millions, probably by the billions. Uh, people will die because these, this book is opened. And it's a terrible day. But uh, between now and then, we get to tell people, you know, we, don't, we, we shouldn't threaten them. Well, if you don't, you know, if, if you don't receive God, you know, a seal's going to be opened and you're going to die. No, God loves you. He's already dealt with all of your problems. Here's how to, here's how to live in joy and peace in this earth. Amen? Uh, and so I was just thinking about that, uh, just thinking about John, where he said, I wept much because no man was found worthy. Because John knew this book has to be opened. Uh, and, and nobody is able to open the book. Because uh, once the book is open and fully uh, revealed, then uh, we get a new heaven, we get a new earth. Uh, heaven comes down to earth, and we live all, all eternity with the Lord on the earth, uh, in his presence, in his glory. Uh, and that'll be a good day, amen? Uh, we have to go through some difficult times to get there. But it's not my fault. It's not God's fault. He's already dealt with it. He's dealt with it all that he needs to deal with it. But people just will not choose to accept him. Uh, and, uh, and, and so they'll have to be dealt with and it's unfortunate um, and so that's not what we go and tell the world because that's not the good news right? the good news is God's already done it amen uh, and so this news is for us the church right this book was written to the church not to the world uh, but we, un we have to understand these things because it should compel us to go do something about it well Lord you know uh, come quickly Lord don't pray that 
people, Lord, I want the Lord to come tomorrow. I don't want the Lord to come tomorrow. Because if he comes tomorrow, there's people that will be uh, on the backside of these seals being opened up that will not make it to heaven. Uh, and so I don't want the Lord to come tomorrow. I want him to delay his coming as long as possible so I've got one more chance to talk to my neighbor, my friend, my coworker. Uh, do you know the Lord? Have you received the work of the Lord Jesus? Uh, and so Jesus is worthy to open the book. Amen. He's worthy to do those things. Uh, I'm glad that uh, it didn't fall on me because I'd open the book and say, yeah, Lord, get him. Uh, and uh, you don't want me opening the book. Amen. And to be honest, I don't want you opening the book because I can't trust you. You're shifty. Right. And so, uh, well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter seven. We'll continue there today. We've been talking about the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Amen. And um, if you remember, we started this talking about the Beatitudes in uh, Matthew, chapter five. And of course, right after we started that teaching on, on the Beatitudes in Matthew, chapter five, that was about a year and a half ago. Brother Randy came in and preached the entire uh, Beatitudes like in 30 minutes. Now, what's wrong with you? You can't just spend 30 minutes on, on all those Beatitudes, you know. I think it took us six months to get through them. Uh, and so uh, I don't ever tell him what I'm preaching on anymore because he'll come and just pre- preach the whole Sermon on the Mountain in 20 minutes and any questions. Uh, and um, we can't have that. Amen. Uh, and so we got, we got down to uh, uh, last week we were talking about, uh, about the Lord uh, uh, and, and he's using the example uh, when he talks about here in, in verses uh, uh, 9 through 11 uh, about um, if you then being evil in verse 11 uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them to ask him? How much more? See, God is more. He's more than you. Amen? Uh, we think that God does bad things for us. Well, that's not what you would do. He said he's going to do just like you would do except much more. If you're a good father then whatever you would do, God will do much more than that. Amen? So his ways are higher than our ways, but they're the same as our ways, but they're better. They're more, right? Uh, and that's what it says. Amen? In, in this verse, people act like, well, God's mysterious. He's not mysterious. Jesus said, look, if you want to know what he's like, just go look at a good father. That's exactly what he's like, except better. So he doesn't make this big, flowery, complicated, you know, impossible to understand doctrine. He said, you want to, you want to make it really simple? Just go see how a father loves their children and he said, that's the way I am, except I'm better than that. Uh, and I'm much more than that. Amen. How much more were your father? Amen. Right. You know, he said, bad fathers, if their son asks for a fish, he'll give him a serpent. You know, you'd be really disappointed. Amen. Right. Lord, more than anything else, I wanted this. Well, uh, I wanted a fish. Okay, that's great. Here's a snake instead. You'd be like, what? You know, but in, in, our, in, in the church so many times, Lord, thank you for the serpent. You know, I know I wanted a fish, but, you know, in your great wisdom, you gave me a serpent instead. So uh, that way is higher than my way. I can't understand why you'd give me a serpent, but, you know, uh, I'm going to be thankful for that. No, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Amen. But people in the church make statements like that all the time. Well, you know, I I wanted healing, but God gave me cancer instead. So, Lord, I thank you for that cancer. Well, did did you ask for a fish? Yeah, I wanted to be healthy, but God made me sick instead. And so that sounds like giving you a serpent when you ask for a fish, doesn't it? Anybody ask him, Lord, please give me cancer. More than anything else, I want cancer. Now, I know sometimes people get really dumb, you know. I think I'm sick. I think I've got everything, right? And people are paranoid. I, I, I remember when, um, uh, when our oldest daughter was born, uh, she was maybe two months old, and we had a friend of ours who also had a child almost the exact same time. And the child was kind of acting up one day, and they took it to the, the, to the pediatrician. That was like months old, like three or four months old. The pediatrician and, and the doctor said, you know, uh, your child might have brain cancer. 
That's your first go-to is brain cancer. You know, it's probably just a sniffle. Um, it could have been brain cancer, but it was probably just, why would you tell that to a, to a new mother? You know, a good chance your child's got brain cancer. What? You know, so we abandoned that doctor. You know, because we thought, well, this guy, he's got five kids. So he's probably pretty good, right? You know, people got kids, they learn a few things and, and not so paranoid about everything. I mean, your first kid, you boil everything, right? Sterilize everything. By the third kid, it's like, ah, it'd be fine. It's on the ground, five seconds, it'd be fine, right? Let the dog lick it and it'll be clean, right? And, and so, uh, but the first kid, you know, it, it's, we thought he's got five kids. Maybe he's learned a few things. He hadn't learned nothing. Uh, but see, the church is the same way. You know, something happens. I, I bet I got cancer. What? Why, why'd you go there first? Uh, why don't we ask for the fish and, and expect to get a fish? But much of the church asks for fish and they get serpents every day and they thank God for the serpent. And, and, and God's like, no, that's not, that's dumb. I'm not that way. And it should be obvious how I am. And yet, how many times have you heard these things in the church? People, oh, uh, you know, I got an accident. God must, you know, God's going to work it out. You know, all things work together for good. Don't you love that? Uh, all things work together for good. Yeah. Why do we look backwards in that verse? When he said all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I, that, that means when I get there, it's already worked out for my good. Not after it's destroyed. Now God's going to figure out how to turn that hurricane and destruction into something good. There shouldn't be a hurricane destruction to begin with. If it worked out together for you good before you got there, it's all good. You know, these things are not hard to understand. Amen? If your doctrine, if your understanding of God is complicated, then you have to have a flow chart and, and diagrams to figure it out and, and, and all these Greek and Hebrew definitions to, in order to explain something, that, that ain't God. God said, I'm just like you, except I'm better. If you want a fish, that's exactly what I'm going to give you is a fish. I'm not going to give you, well, you know, sometimes God gives you what you want. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's wait and you'll get something better. Doesn't that sound good? It just makes you kind of want to just, you know, throw up a little bit when, he, when people say that because it's not true. He said, if you want a fish, that's exactly what I'll give you. It'll be a good fish, right? It won't be that nasty fish, right? I mean, it's a really good fish, right? I don't know what really good fish is, like a grouper, red snapper, you know, something like that, right? It's not going to be a carp, right? Uh, you ever gone fishing, you get a carp, you're disappointed because you don't eat carp, right? I mean, some people do eat carp, but, but you know, why? You throw, the carp is what you throw back, right? You're, you're looking for a good bass, right? Small mouth, large mouth bass, you know, and I'm not a fisherman. I used to like to fish, but then it's like, you got to cut them, cut the heads off, you know, scale it. It's like, I'd just rather go down to Red Lobster and just let them, they've already done all the work, right? Uh, and so, you know, I don't want to gut a fish, you know, I mean, I did, I've done it before, but it's just gross, right? It's like, wow, you got you know, it's like, I don't want to do that. Uh, and so if I want a fish, that's what I want. I don't want a serpent. Amen. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, he said in verse nine, if he asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Oh, thank you, Lord, for the lump of coal. I'm so thankful that you gave me a lump of coal instead of the bread. What, what's wrong with you? Didn't you ask for bread? Yeah. Did you need bread? Yeah, I need bread. What'd you get? I got a lump of coal. I'm so thankful for the lump of coal. You know, sometimes I wonder about, you know, uh, we're, we're the most intelligent people until we walk in the building of the church. And then we become dumb. I'm so thankful for the lump of coal. I asked for bread, but I got, I got a stone instead. Uh, who, who does that? Lots of people in the church do that. Lots of people say, well, I, you know, I, I, was needing, I was needing a blessing, but instead I got a curse, and so I'm so thankful for the curse. I thought he redeemed us from the curse. Well, you know, but God's ways are higher than our ways. Sometimes we need a curse. No, you don't need a curse. When, in what scenario do you, do you need a curse? You know, I need this, but instead, you know, I need healing, but instead I got more cancer so that I'm better off. 
how are you better off? Sometimes, you know, the church, uh, I don't know, you know, and, and look, this is people that, that uh, you know, out, outside our church, you think, well, you know, maybe they don't know like they ought to know. But, I, you know, I, I, I remember when my, fir- my first brother passed away many years ago, uh, and how many times have I talked about God wants you to live a long life? He said, with long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. Is that what Psalm 91 says? With long life, I'll satisfy you. So that means how long should you live? Long. According to the Lord's definition, you should live long. Well, how long is long? Long is however long you want to live until you're satisfied. That's, when you, that's how long you should live, right? And how many times have I taught stuff like that in the church? Uh, healing school. When you come to healing school, you get taught that all the time, right? God wants you to live a long life, good life, right? Show you his salvation. And, and my brother passed away, and someone in the church came up to me and said, well, you just never know when your time's up. Well, first of all, you're an idiot, right? You shouldn't say that to me because my brother just passed away, right? And I don't, I'm not an emotional person in that sense, you know. But it's like, give me your card. Give me your faith card. You're fired. You don't say stuff like that. Well, you just never know when your time's up. I know exactly when my time's up, when I'm satisfied. After I've lived a long life and then I'm satisfied, then I'm going home to be with the Lord. If it's between now and then, something went wrong. And it's not, well, you just never know when your time's up. You should know exactly the day you go home. You have a right to know exactly. Paul knew. Peter knew, Jesus knew, I laid down my life. This commandment I have I received from the Father. You should know exactly the day you go home. A lot, lot of great saints of old. You know, I like Lester Sumrall said, I'm going home next Tuesday. He was like 86 years old, and they were like, ah, he's getting senile. Tuesday came, you know, he's sitting on his, on his recliner. And he said, oh, there's Jesus, I'm gone. And he just left. That's the way we should go. That's the way all of us should go. Amen. We have a right to it. He said with long life, I'll satisfy you. So he said, when you're satisfied, then you can come home. And if you're not satisfied, then you stay. Amen. Now, instead of getting a lump of coal, a stone, I don't want more anything. I just want, a, I just want a piece of bread. And you got a coal instead, got a, got a stone instead. Man, we got a lot of work to do in the church. You know, how many people in church believe this? How many people in church think that when I got a stone, I'm so thankful for the stone? No, I'm going to throw the stone. I didn't ask for this. Get this out of here. That's not what I wanted. You know, in work, if, you, if you're a boss at work and you ask for somebody to do something, they come do the exact opposite. They go, oh, thanks, thanks that you did the exact opposite of what I wanted. You know, uh, I remember I, I, I put up this bunch of stuff at work you know, when I was, a, uh, I was a supervisor of a bunch of engineers. I said, here's how we're going to do this work. We're going to do this way, this way, this way. And I came in one day, uh, it was on a Monday, and somebody sent an email, hey, we're not going to do it that way. I sent an email to the whole group. I said, it's never good to start on a Monday by making your boss upset. Because we're going to do it this way, because it's the right way to do it. And I don't care what you say, I'm the boss. There's a new sheriff in town, this is the way we're going to do it. You can get on board, or you, you can get off the, off, the, off the bus if you want to, but we're doing it this way. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I wasn't, oh, thankful for telling, me, uh, telling everybody I was wrong. No, I'm the boss, this is the right way to do it, this is the way we're going to do it. Uh, and so, I'm not, I'm not thankful for a stone. I'm not thankful for a serpent. Uh, if I get a stone, I start asking the Lord, Lord, what's up? I asked for bread. I didn't, I didn't ask for this. What's the deal? I go to the Lord and start asking him what the deal is. They say, well, you know, what you said yesterday, uh, you know, caused that door to open, right? I mean, he'll tell you how you got the stone if you really want to know. And he's like, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Anybody else in heaven do it? None of us, Lord. Well, who did it? It was usually your mouth that did it, right? Uh, and so, so he said, how much more? Will your Father in heaven give you good things? 
Well, you know, cancer's a good thing. In what scenario is cancer a good thing? What world or universe is cancer a good thing? But we'll, we'll redefine what good means. You know what good means? It just means good. It's not hard to understand. We all know what good is, right? And we all know what bad is until we get in the church and we flip everything around. Amen? Uh, and so uh, sometimes I just wonder about the church. You know, the, These things are not hard to understand. These things are not difficult to understand. But we get, we get so ingrained in, the, in our philosophy, in our natural lives, and try to find ways to understand why things happen. Instead of pursuing faith and pursuing the wisdom of God and pursuing His strength and ability to overcome everything in our life, we, we accept all these terrible things. And then instead of saying, well, it's my fault, which is generally the truth, right? I mean, it's almost always self-inflicted. In, in nearly every situation, there's probably one or two that it is not, but in nearly every situation, the reason why those things happen is is we bring it upon ourselves by our words and our actions. Instead of taking any personal responsibility, well, well God's ways are higher than my ways. Yeah, they're way better. Amen. Uh, and so is this, is this hard to understand? See, he's using a natural illustration to help us so that we don't wrap it up in some flowery PhD sounding kind of doctrine that doesn't make any sense. He's making it really easy to understand that even, even people can understand this. Really? I mean, this, you can understand? Yeah, this is, is this easy to understand? That God is a good father, and he said that, that, that how much more shall your father which is in heaven give you good things to them that what? Ask him, right? And we talked earlier about, you know, it's our responsibility. Whose responsibility is to ask? Well, God never does anything for me. Well, then you've told off on yourself because he said if you ask, he'll, you'll give, he'll, he'll give you that which you ask for, right? If you ask for fish, that's what he'll give you. If you ask for bread, that's what he'll give you. Well, I just figured God will give me whatever he wants to give me, and if he doesn't want to give me anything, he, won't, he just won't give me anything. That's not the deal. He, the deal was, I'm going to make a covenant with you. My part is to respond to your part. Your part is to ask, and I respond to your asking. Your part is to seek, and I respond to your seeking. Your, your, your part is to knock, and I respond to your knocking. If you don't ask, seek, or, or knock, there's nothing for me to do. And then we would say, well, I haven't done anything, and God hasn't either. Well, that's, that, tells, that tells me everything I need to know. Amen. Is, is God a liar? Does he do exactly what he says he'll do? Yes. And he, and he also implies that if you don't ask, there's no receiving. If you don't seek, there's no finding. If you don't knock, there's no opening. And so don't blame God when, when those things happen, when there's no opening or no, no receiving or no, no showing you what you need in your life. Don't blame God. Go back and follow the instructions that the master has given to us. This is Jesus himself speaking. Amen. This is the way he wants to relate to his people on the earth. For us to do something and for him to respond to us uh, doing something in faith. And if we'll do that, he'll always provide that. If we, ask in, if we ask for bread, that's exactly what he'll give us. Well, I thought you needed, you know, instead of bread, I thought you needed, you know, corn dog instead, which is kind of like bread, I guess, anyway, but, right? But, but I thought you needed something different. He didn't say that. He's not going to change what you ask for because he thinks you need something different. He, he may come back and say, you know, next time, ask for more. Because he said, how much more will your father? Lord, I just want, I just want, you know, I, I, don't, want, I, I don't want any of the worldly goods. Don't you, don't you love when people say that? I don't want any of the worldly goods. That's a lie. Because you want, you want money to buy food, don't you? You want to eat. You want to have a, a, a roof over your head that doesn't leak and a car doesn't explode every time you turn it on. Amen. Uh, don't you want those things? Well, yeah. And we, but we kind of wrap it up in, in, in humble sounding words. I don't want any of the worldly goods. I want all the worldly goods because they're not doing anything good with it. You give me all the worldly goods and I'll help all the people in the world. Amen. 
they're not going to do anything good with it. I'll do something good with it. Uh, amen? Uh, and so, and then, he get, and then he gets into uh, verse 12 there. And he says, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Uh, and, of course, we call this the golden rule, right? Uh, in, in Luke's version, it says, as you, would, as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. Uh, and, of course, we've kind of simplified that. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Uh, and that's, that's a fair simplification of, of that verse there. But that's, that's what we call the golden rule. Amen? And the rule is, as you want people to do it to you, that's how you decide how to, how to help and assist other people. Uh, and, and, and Jesus said, this, for this is the law and the prophets. Amen? Uh, and, and to contrast that, you know, I was reading, I, I'd heard these rumors of this, uh, this thing called the platinum rule. Anybody heard that? I think I mentioned it last week. Anybody heard the, pl- the platinum rule? Well, is, is platinum more valuable than gold? Yeah, so, the, so it is. So that's why they call it the platinum rule, because they're thinking if we call it the platinum rule, we can show that it's better than God's rule. And so, uh, uh, in fact, uh, I was looking this up, and they said, uh, this is their quote. They said, newsflash, the golden rule doesn't work. I was loving when, when stupid people think they know more than God, right? The golden rule doesn't work. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, amen? The golden rule has worked perfectly well for thousands of years since Jesus gave it to us, amen? And it'll work for thousands of years if Jesus delays his, his coming. And it'll work the best way possible. But they say the golden rule doesn't work. We have uh, the, the platinum rule. The platinum rule is treat others the way they want to be treated. So instead of doing unto others as, as I would have them do to me, I'm going to treat you the way you want to be treated. That's the dumbest thing in the world. Because first of all, people are stupid. They don't know how to be treated, right? Uh, if, well, how do you want to be treated? Well, just call me a girl when I'm a boy. You know, no, I'm not doing that, right? You use my preferred pronouns, they, them. What? You're the dumbest person I've ever met in my life, right? Uh, and so he said, treat others the way they want to be treated. Well, uh, the problem with that, that whole mentality is uh, it, it's uh, people are demanding you've got to treat me the way I want to be treated, right? Then, then it becomes manipulative, right? It becomes uh, <clears throat> selfish, that I've got to run around and, because I can't treat everybody the same. I've got to treat you one way. I've got to treat you a different way. I've got to treat, it'll be exhausting to figure that out because everybody, you know, in today's world, we live in the, the insanity is on fire in, in, our, in the world, right? I mean, it's just like crazy world. We live in this crazy world. Uh, you know, they, they showed pictures of you go to Disney World, you know, you used to go to like the little princess thing where you go, let the girls go in there and get all dolled up and, you know, princess dresses. And now they got grown men, fat grown men with beards and dresses uh, bringing the, the little girls in there. That's just dumbest thing. I mean, it's so dumb. Of course, it's so evil and perverted, I know. But, but see, we're not allowed to say, that's the dumbest thing. First of all, you're ugly in that dress. I mean, you're ugly without a dress, but you're even uglier in the dress. Now, and you want my little girl to look like you. She has no facial hair. She's never going to look like you. Amen? Uh, and so, but, but we're supposed to accept that, right? Because the platinum rule is you accept everybody the way that they are. Uh, and I was in a youth, a youth meeting one time, and I wasn't, I wasn't minute. I was just there kind of observing. And they had all the youth come up, you know, testify and say some things about God. And youth after youth kept, kept saying the same thing. I'm so thankful that God accepts me, accept me the way that I am. And there is a truth to that, 
right? Does God put any, uh, any prerequisites on you when you come to him and ask him to, to receive him as your savior? Say, no, you've got to go swim an ocean first. You know, you got to go make it right with your, your great aunt on your mother's side first before you accept me. No, he doesn't put any pre- prerequisites on there. But the second you accept him, what's he, what does he start to do? He's going to make you a better person, a wiser person, a kinder person, a person who walks more in love, a person who, who's not just, just crazy all the time, amen, not, and, and following their emotions all the time, a person who's stable and, and satisfied and healthy and happy. That's the person you're going to make you. You didn't start out that way, amen? I'm so thankful that none of you knew me when I first got saved. That, yeah, no, none of you knew me when I first got saved, right? And so uh, even Chris didn't know that. She, she met me many years after that. I was still a much of work in progress at that point in time. But, uh, but so all the youth were, Lord, I want to stay exactly the way that I am. And so they want all of us to treat them that same way too, right? Be thankful for the way that you are. No, we, we should love each other enough to help each other. Amen? Now, and so the reason why the platinum rule doesn't work is because it's not founded upon the love of God. The reason why the golden rule works is because it, it, the basis of that is the love of God. Uh, I'm going to treat you the way that I want to be treated, right? Do unto others as, as you would have them do unto me. I'm a child of the living God. Amen? I am do all the rights and pleasures of heaven, and, and my desire is for you to treat me like I'm a child of God. And, and I will treat you like a child of God if, you're, if you are a child of God. If you're not a child of God, see, then, then I can still look at you and go, well, you're a potential child of God. God made your spirit, and he loves you, and he died for you, so that's how I'm going to treat you. See, that's the, way that, that's the way the golden rule is supposed to work, amen? We, we do it from a standpoint of love. We don't, do it, we don't accept people's failings, and it's okay that you, know, that, that, uh, you killed all those people. It's, it's all right. It's not all right, right? We don't, we don't excuse that, that kind of action. Uh, and, and you, but you get in the corporate world, man, it's like walking in a landmine all the time. Because you can say anything. It doesn't matter what you mean. It's what they think you meant. See, because the platinum rule says it doesn't matter what you say. It's what I think you uh, said or how I feel like you said. And so it's just, it's just a, you, and you can say anything, and it doesn't matter the, if they misconstrue it, and they will on purpose many times to say things, that, you know, well, I know you said that, that uh, you know, have a great day, but what do you mean by that? I just meant for you to have a great day. Well, you've got an ulterior motive. You're trying to proselytize me. What? No, I'm just, have a great day, right? Uh, and so the, the, the reason they like the platinum rule is because it doesn't mean anything. I could just twist everything you say, and, it's, and it can mean anything in the world. Uh, and, and, and there's no standards. There's no absolutes. If I get to dictate how you treat me in that sense that, uh, no, you don't treat me the way, that you treat, the way you want to be treated. You treat me the way that I dictate. I demand that you treat me. Then it becomes impossibly complicated. Amen? And then there's no rules. So you have to go down to Disney World and accept that a grown uh, fat man with a beard is a princess. And it's like, well, No. We don't do that. Amen? Uh, that, that's crazy world. And the, but is that the world we live in right now? I mean, it's not theoretical. This is real. This, you know, you look it up, and these things are really going on today, right? Uh, and so uh, let's turn over to, uh, to Romans chapter 5. The only way that this can work, because uh, Jesus said, uh, this is the law and the prophets. Uh, and so we're thankful that, uh, that, that the Lord has provided this to the church. He said, in Romans chapter 5, he said in verse 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. That word love there is the agape love of God. It's the God kind of love, right? There's several types of love talked about in the, in the Bible. 
but the, the most important love is agape love, right? It's the God kind of love. Amen? It's not, it's not friendship love. It's not marital love or physical love. You know, it's, it's God kind of love. And he said, he put that love in your heart. When you got born again, that love is there. Now, it's a fruit. It can grow. It can wither. Uh, Jesus said sometimes, or, or um, the Bible says that sometimes, the love of men shall wax cold. So it can, it can wither uh, if you don't exercise that love, but it's there. It was placed in you, in you when you got born again. Now, you should allow it to grow and to increase. And if you do that, uh, uh, what's, what's the, how does the love of God operate? When you think about this, it's really simple, right? How does the love of God operate? The love of God operates the same way that the love of God on his side, the way he operates uh, the people, is he always wants the very best for you. Uh, and you think, well, that's, that's really simple. Then the very best for me is to say that I'm a grown man in a dress with a beard and I'm a princess. No, that is not, that, no. That's, see, that's what I think is best. Actually, it's not what, you know, you know I'm being facetious, right? It's not what I think is best. I'm just play acting here, right? Pastor said, you know, he should be a grown man in a dress. Now I'm, I'm play acting here, right? To give, make a point. Don't go out of here. You know, we, we got a newfangled church there, you know. Uh, we're really on cutting edge of society. Uh, no, uh, but see, if I, if I say that what's best for me is for you to accept me as a grown man with a beard in a dress. Uh, see, the love of God said, no, that's not what's best for you. That's what you think is best for you. But what's best for you is you're a grown man, get out of that dress and leave the little girls alone, weirdo. Right? That's what would be best because that would be best, right? It'd be best for the girls and it'd still be best for the man too. Because you, you think about, you know, they say that and they want us to accept it, but see, they don't even accept it. The, the problem, and we've talked about this many times before, the, the problem in our society is uh, there's this conflict. Because remember when, remember when in the Old Covenant, uh, just before uh, the Lord sent Noah, he said the hearts of men only devise evil continually. Because men left to their own devices, what, they, what will they generate, degenerate to? Only thinking evil continually. And, and we nearly live in that society today. I mean, when they say, say it's perfectly fine to, to tell uh, little children in school about the most perverse uh, things, physical things that men and women do, or men and men do, or women and women do in, in behind closed doors, that, that's crazy talk, right? And they think it's perfectly fine and acceptable and normal. It's not perfectly fine and acceptable and normal because they're devising evil continually. It's all they're doing is thinking about evil ways to harm children. Uh, and... and of course, you know, they, they, it all starts with progression, right? Well, just accept this one sin. And the church goes, well, we'll accept that sin. We'll accept this sin. Well, we'll accept that sin. And finally, they go, well, well, let's accept the, the most outrageous sin in the world that we want to uh, surgically alter your children. And we're like, wait, 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 wait. How did we get here? Well, you accepted the last 20 sins that we did. Except this one, it's, 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 it's the continuum, right? From, from evil to really, really evil. You know, nothing's changed. Uh, and so... Men left to their devices will, will sit around and think about evil all the time. And see, the problem with all these people that, that are, are, are trying to say that there is no genders and the insanity of all that stuff today is they know it's not true. Because every human being on the earth, their spirit man was created by God. And there's an element of truth in every human being on the, on the earth. Now their minds will say, no, that's not true. But their spirits, because they are a spirit being, will say, yes, it is true. And so they had this conflict. In, the, in every human being that, that thinks it's okay to transition to a different gender has that conflict. Uh, and it, it, that conflict wasn't created by me. It wasn't even created by God. 
It's in themselves. Amen? Yeah. And, and so uh, if we love them enough, we'd say, you know, your spirit man tells you that you're a man. Be a man. No, you've got to accept me that I'm a woman. No. See, that, that's, that's, not the, that's not the love of God. The, the love of God is not to accept their sin. The love of God, because we care about people. We say, you know, you're a man. You sh- you'll, you'll always be a man. You will never not be a man. If you're a woman, you'll be a woman. You'll never not be a woman. Amen? Now, and today, they don't even know. If you, they asked the Supreme Court justice that they were, uh, they were uh, uh, interviewing to see if they were going to give her the job. Can you define what a woman is? She, she's a Supreme Court uh, nominee with a law degree. I don't know from where, probably from Harvard or Yale. And she can't even, she said, I'm not a biologist. I can't define what a woman is. She was a woman. I, don't, I, don't, I can't define you what I am. It's like, you are way too dumb to be a Supreme Court justice. And yet they still, they still uh, allowed her to become a Supreme Court justice. And so you wonder about that, right? But that's, you know, not my, not my business. I didn't, I didn't uh, vote for her, not vote for her. Uh, but um, you wonder about people, right? And so, so the golden rule is we've got to be motivated by love. Amen? And, and we're in Romans chapter 5, turn over to Romans chapter 13 there. <clears throat> In Romans chapter 13, uh, let's start in verse, uh, in verse 8. It says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. Well, that word love there again is agape, love of God. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. <clears throat> are those all parts of the Ten Commandments? They are, right? Those are all parts of, parts of the Ten Commandments. He said... Uh, and if there be any other commandment, <clears throat> it is briefly comprehended in this saying, saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, the love is the fulfilling of the law. So uh, uh, do we have to know and memorize the Ten Commandments? No, because Paul said, if you walk in love, you will automatically keep the Ten Commandments, right? Because uh, has anyone ever stolen something from somebody that they, that, uh, while they're walking in love? No. I love you so much, I'm going to steal all your stuff. Nobody does that, right? Uh, what about killing somebody or, or bearing false witness? I live, love you so much, I'm going to lie on you. Has anyone ever said that? No. If they did, of course, they're crazy, right? Uh, and so we don't have to know the Ten Commandments. And, of course, there's every, every so often a big push, you know, got the Ten Commandments. Have put the Ten Commandments on your wall and put a little sign in your yard. I follow the Ten Commandments. I just follow the One Commandment. Makes it really easy, right? What would love do? And so when I'm relating to people, uh, is it do unto others as, you, as you'd have them do unto you? I do unto them because I want to be treated with the love of God. I want, I want people to, to do what's best for me. Not what I think is best for me, but what, what, the, what the absolute Word of God and the Spirit of God says is best for me. That's the way I want people to treat me. Amen? If I'm thinking crazy thoughts, I want my wife to say, hey, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, you can't say that. You need to accept me for who I am. It's like, no, I'm not doing that. You're dumb. That's, you know, that, what you just said there makes no sense. Well, you hurt my feelings. Well, it doesn't matter. You know, you're, you're talking dumb things, right? You're saying things that don't make any sense. And so I, I, I want her to bring me back into reality. But see, a lot of people don't want to live in reality. They want to live in, in la-la land where my reality is just whatever I say reality is. You know, well, that's, you know, that's, then, then, then I can't do that and love you at the same time. Because if I love you, I'd say, get out of that dress, bearded man. 
you, you should be wearing a dress. That's weird. That, that's, that's perverted. It's, and, 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 you know, of course, if you really, really loved him, that's devilish and from the pit of hell, right? If you really loved him a lot, that's what you tell him, right? Uh, don't, don't be devilish. Don't yield to the devils. Uh, and so, so all, all, of the, all, all of the law and the prophets are wrapped up in the love of God. And we as a church should be able to lead the world into how, how to relate to each other. We don't accept sin. We don't accept it. Now, now you know, uh, in the corporate world, uh, for a long time, uh, they, they, they've asked you to just accept it, not, but not verbally, right? But just, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't condemn the sin of others. And, you know, if you're in the corporate world, sometimes you can't speak out. But they're trying, trying to get to a point where they demand that you verbally approve of it. They haven't got there yet, but they're trying to figure out how to do that without violating the Constitution, right? And they haven't quite figured that out yet. And they'll try it you know, a few places here and there, and they still, do, they still try it every now and then uh, to, to demand that you approve of their sin verbally uh, and, and to celebrate it, right, and to be an ally to their sin. Uh, they haven't figured out how to do that yet, but, they, but every now and then they'll, they'll kind of venture out a, a little bit in that area. But see, the, uh, we, we have to lead the way of saying, no, I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to treat you the way I want you to treat me, which is to, which is to love me enough to tell me the truth. Amen? And see, if we do that, but, but see, it's to love me enough to tell me the truth. So it's uh, speak the truth in love, Paul said. It's not just, well, you know, uh, uh, don't you own a comb? You should brush your hair. It's not really speaking the truth in love, right? Uh, that's just uh, speaking the truth. Maybe they got bad hair day, but, you know, it could have been a lot of reasons. I mean, uh, maybe they just, you know, re- wrestled a boar in the front yard or something. You know, they got bad hair because of that. Uh, I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, a lot of times, well, I just had to tell them the truth. Did you do it in love? So if you can't do it in love, then you're not following the golden rule. The golden rule is you should be motivated by love to desire the best for everybody around you. The best as God defines the best. The best as the love of God defines the best, not the way that they define best, because the world doesn't even know what's best for them. They think what's best for them is, is for us to approve of their sin. That's not what's best for them, because sin and death always go together. They will end their natural life early or, or live a destructive life in this earth if they continue in their sin. That's not what's best for them. What's best for them is to receive the Lord Jesus and have all their sins washed away and to live, live a life full of joy and peace. That would be what's best for everybody, amen? And I could tell everybody that. Of course, I'm, you know, in my little world as a pastor, it's easy for me to do I don't have to deal with the corporate world anymore, and I'm thankful for that because I can just say, tell the truth. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, my wife doesn't really have that freedom in the corporate world because she'd get fired for that. Uh, and, and, you know, you've got to f- pick your battles the right way, amen? Now, if they, if they tried to get her to say something that was against the Word of God or the Spirit of God, she would stand up against that and say, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, and, uh, and as of yet, you know, they haven't quite done that. In fact, you know, they, they, they ask, well, we want to hear your story. They tell each other, we want to hear your story. And her story is Jesus. And, and then she tells Jesus, well, that made us uncomfortable. Well, you just told me you want to hear my story. Well, we don't hear that story. We want a different story. Well, I don't have a different story. That's my story. And, 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 and you know, even some of the heathens go, well, that's her story. So you got you to let her say it. You told us you want to hear her story. That's her story. And so even some of the heathens have come to her defense because some of the, the unrighteous uh, liars get up there and say, well, we don't want you to full story. You know, we don't want you to be an authentic leader. We just want you to be an authentic leader. And, uh, but you just, you can't, you have it both ways. Either I'm authentic or I'm not authentic. I am who I am. Amen. And this is what made me is the Lord Jesus. 
Uh, and so, you know, she has to fight a lot more warfares in that area than I do. Because when people walk in, they'll say something. Uh, I remember uh, one lady said, well, you know, my son was born a homosexual. I said, no, he wasn't. I'm never coming back to church again. I don't care, you know, because I get to deal in the truth. And I don't, have to, I don't have to allow the lives of the world to come into the church. Amen. Now, he may be a homosexual, but he wasn't born that way. You know, it was a choice, just like anything is a choice. Do you want fries with that? Well, that's a choice. You weren't born with fries in your finger. You chose to eat them. Amen. Uh, and so uh, people, any doctrine that says you don't have a choice is what? False doctrine, right? You always have a choice. Uh, and so, so Jesus said the golden rule is still in effect. Amen. I would encourage you, don't follow the platinum rule. Uh, and so, you know, that means that you probably have to say less because you go, that's the dumbest thing. You know, you're, you're a man. Why are you wearing a dress at the princess booth, right, at Disney World? Uh, I'm not going to go down and pick at them. Amen. I'm not going to go start a warfare against Disney. I just won't go there, right? That, that solves the whole problem, right? And, of course, they're, they're really suffering financially because they've become really, you know, Disney, D- Disney was never a Christian organization. You know that, right? I mean, none of the movies are Christian-based, right? They, they have some decent moral principles, or they used to, uh, but they were never really Christian. Ever. They, they, they elevated witchcraft and, you know, uh, uh, demonizing things, a lot of stuff like that, and that parents were stupid uh, over the years, and we've, we've had to talk to our kids. But a lot of it's just kind of, you know, uh, neutral uh, until the last 10 years or so where they just, you know, let's put out the, the stupidest stuff we can, and, they, and, and people are like, well, I want to buy that. And they're like, what? Uh, and so I don't care about Disney. It's none of my business, right? They're a natural world, natural organization, not the church, and I don't expect them to be the church, uh, and I could just not go. I cannot, uh, I cannot pay to watch their stuff. It's, uh, I don't care. It's not, no, no big deal to me. But see, if I walk in love, see, I can tell somebody, well, n- no, you're, you're, not a, you're not a woman because you're a man. When, when people try to get me to say things, uh, you know, and you have to decide. Be led by the Spirit of God, because sometimes the Spirit of God will say, speak up and, and say the truth. Sometimes the Spirit of God will say, don't say anything. Because people want to believe what they want to believe, and that's fine. But see, if you love them enough, you at least will pray for them. Lord, show them the light. Amen. Amen. Uh, our job is not to hate these people. Our job is not to, not to bury them and to be glad when the, book of the, seal, the seal of the book is, is opened. That's not our job. Right. Our job is pray for them so that they, they repent before the seal is broken. Amen. Amen. That's, that's what's best for them. That's the golden rule. Lord, I want them to recover before the seal is broken. I want them to see your light before the seal is broken. Amen? Uh, and so, so that's the golden rule. Uh, and it's really easy. What's best for them? According to the Word of God and the Spirit of God, what's the best for that person? That's the way I want, that's the way I want to be treated. What's the best for me? Not what I think is best, but what, what the Word of God says is best and what the Spirit of God says is best. That's the way I want to be treated. Amen? Uh, and if I, if I got food in my teeth, I would hope somebody say, hey, you, you got food in your teeth, right? Well, it bothered me to tell him that, you know. Well, then you don't love me enough, right? Because if you love me, if you go, hey, you know, uh, that, that's, that, you know somebody really loves you when they tell you you got food in your teeth, right? Because uh, that's best for me. Because otherwise, you go, you go all day long, like, well, when did you get that? I guess I ate that for breakfast, you know. And I, I've talked to 18 people since then. Nobody said anything. They all looked at me like, but nobody said anything. Well, you don't love me, Right? Uh, and so, uh, how many times have you done that, right? You know, I don't want to say nothing to them. Well, you didn't really, you didn't really love them enough, amen? Now, if you can't do anything about it, you know, I understand some things, you know, you can't, you just can't, you just can't deal with, right? And that, that's fine. Uh, but sometimes, you know, we let our own emotions uh, dictate, well, I, I, I can't do to them what's best for them. 
well, then you don't want somebody to tell you when you got food in your teeth, right? Uh, and so that, that's pretty simple, right? And so uh, Jesus, it's only one verse there in Matthew chapter 7, only one verse about walking in love. And yet that rule has been a solid, valuable rule that the church should have followed, and, and hopefully we do follow since Jesus spoke it, and it will be the only rule that is valid until he comes back, amen? These platinum rules or whatever rules, you know, the, those are all nonsense, amen? Because there's no standards. There is an absolute, he's called God, yes. right? There is an absolute, it's called the word of God. There's no other way to operate other than the word of God. And, and for centuries, even the world has followed biblical principles, you know, much of, of our civil law is based upon biblical principles. They went back in the book of Leviticus and read, well, here's how, you know, there's property rights and there's rights of ownership and there's rights of, of, of how to treat animals and rights of how to treat your, your, uh, your fellow man. Well, let's, let's make that our laws of the nation. And we did that for centuries in, in our country and around the world. People have too. They, may not, they, won't, they won't claim that it's God. Now, in America, we have, right? We're... we're a Christian nation based upon Christian principles, uh, but even now they're trying to they're tr- trying to pass laws that don't that don't uh, follow biblical principles. So these things have always been valid and always right and, and correct. Amen. Even if they're not Christians, they are smart enough to realize well, well, God spoke these things and He seemed to work pretty good. Uh, but then the people that hate God will say the golden rule is no longer valid. We follow the platinum rule. Why do they say that? Because they hate God, and they know it's not true. They know in their hearts it's not true, but they've got to find some way to say, we hate God without saying we hate God. Uh, and, and they'll do that, right? They'll, they'll try to incorporate it into the corporate uh, uh, handbooks, incorporate it into the laws. And, and we're like, no, we're not doing that. And they'll try to get the church to quit saying the golden rule. Well, no, we're going to follow the golden rule because it's best for everybody around us. It's best for you if I follow the golden rule. It's best for me if you follow the golden rule towards me. Because I will, I will look at your life and I'll think, Lord, what's best for them? By your love and by your word, what's best for that person? Because that's what I want for them, is the very best for them. Uh, and, and, and not for people to lie to tell me that I'm wonderful. Not for people to lie that, no, you don't have any food in your teeth. When you, you know, you, you just ate, you know, asparagus or something and it's just sitting there all day long, right? And nobody loves you, but nobody's going to, everybody acts like, it's fine, it's fine. And everybody's like, it's not fine, really, but well, you know, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, and so, is the golden rule still valid? It's absolutely still valid. It's what's best for everybody around you according to what God says is best. Right. And, and it really is best. But it's, not, it's not best. It's absolutely the best because God knows exactly what's best for you in a good way, right? Because he followed that right after Matthew seven eleven. How much more will your Father in heaven do, do for you? Amen. So when he says it's best, it really is best. It's not best in a theoretical sense. It's actually best. Amen. It's not best for me to, to accept your lies and to tell you that all, is, all is, is perfectly fine with what you think. Amen? We should be able to say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever said, you've ever said, right? Dumbest thing I've ever heard. <clears throat> if we really loved each other, we'd be able to do that. I know in some cir- circles like the corporate world, we can't do that all the time. Sometimes we can, but not all the time. Uh, now, if you've got your own business, you say whatever you want to, right? If you're the pastor, say whatever you want to. It's fine, right? Uh, but I know in the corporate world we can't always do that, and that's fine, right? Uh, we have to pick our battles, and we don't lie. We don't say it's not true. If they asked us what's the rule, we follow the golden rule, right? Well, you need to follow the platinum rule, dumbest thing I've ever heard, amen? Uh, and so <clears throat> the Lord is good, amen? 
and so the love of God is easy to understand. What's the Word of God say? That's the love of God. What's the Spirit of God say? That's the love of God. It's easy. It's not hard to understand. Amen? And so let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. So Father, we do thank You for Your Word. And Father, we, we thank You that we can be motivated by Your love. Your love lives on the inside of me, and so when I see people, I see what's the very best for them, dictated by Your love. What's the best for them to give them peace and joy and happiness in this life, Father, and eternal life to come. Father, that's what's best for them. And so, Father, your love dictates that. Your word dictates that. And I can speak the truth in love, Father, not without hatred and bitterness and anger. I can do it out of kindness in consideration of them, of their lives, Father, what's best for them. And so, Lord, we don't have to compromise. We don't have to approve of sin. We don't have to act like it's not wrong. Father, if, if, if it's available and we're able to, Father, we will tell them the absolute truth. And sometimes, Father, the love of God will say, don't say anything. And that's fine, Father. We will follow your love. Your love lives on the inside of me. And I thank you for that, Lord. I give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we're thankful for the Lord, you know. Uh, it's, it's so funny because the world's always trying to say, we've got a better way. We have found a better way. After 2,000 years of Jesus speaking, we've got a better way. It's not better. It is not better. You think it's better because you hate God. Uh, but it's not better. Amen? Uh, it, uh, we have got a great plan, uh, and this will work for all eternity. Walking in love works forever. It, it never not works. It always works. Amen? Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen? Has the Lord been good to us? Is it, is it a blessing to give to, to him? Amen. It's always a blessing to give. And we're thankful that uh, his word says that if we give, the good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give it to our bosom. Amen. Uh, and we're thankful that the Bible says that, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by, by Christ Jesus. Amen. Uh, I mean, there's so many scriptures that talk about the faithfulness of God to provide for us financially. We're thankful that he does that. Amen. Uh, and as we're faithful, of course, the, 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 uh, oh, we have communion to, to do. Jared's waving back there. All right, well, uh, let's, uh, you can hang on to your offering for just a minute, right? Not going to burn a hole in your pocket, right? Uh, oh, I got to get, it'll be fine. Let, let's get ready to receive communion uh, first there. Uh, thank you for reminding me about Jared. Sometimes you just kind of get on a roll and just barrel right through everything. And, and, um, but it's always good to receive communion, amen? Uh, and so, you remember, uh, just before Jesus went to the cross, he had the Last Supper with, with the boys there, uh, the disciples, and, um, uh, and um, I was thinking about Brother Randy's joke about the, the Last Supper, you know, you know, the painting there that, uh, uh, who, who was it? It wasn't Michelangelo, who, who wrote the, who was it? The, uh, it wasn't Michelangelo. Da Vinci. Oh, Da Vinci, yeah, Da Vinci, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, Da Vinci painted the Last Supper, right? And, he's, and he, told the, he told the 12 disciples, okay, boys, if you want your picture taken, get on this side of the table. Uh, and so, anyway, but, uh, so that's, so Jesus was there with the 12 disciples, uh, and he started, he started making some major changes there, right? Because they were, they had always followed Passover. And Passover, you had to eat bitter herbs, right? Kill a mammal, and do all these things, put blood on your doorposts. And Jesus said, you know, he said, this is about the blood of the new covenant. So there's a new sheriff in town, things are changing. Uh, and so we don't really, I know we, we, we acknowledge the Passover, but we don't really celebrate the Passover. We celebrate 
the communion because in communion, it's all about the goodness. There's no bitter herbs we have to eat, right? We don't have to kill anything. He said, just do this in remembrance of me. You don't have to go kill anything on your own. I've already done this for you. So that's why we receive communion, amen? Uh, and so we're thankful for Passover because it, it showed the future, but, uh, but we don't follow Passover anymore. We follow the communion process. We follow the communion because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Uh, and so the two components then, he said, at the bread, he said, this is my body, broken for you. Uh, I choose as an act of my will to, to yield my flesh, my body, to be punished and to be beaten for your benefit, amen? Nothing Jesus did on the cross and through the whole process was done except to benefit us. He wasn't trying to show that he was a martyr. He wasn't trying to prove how much of a man he was by being, being beat up and by accepting the punishment of the cross. He did that so that I don't have to be sick. He said, by his stripes, the stripes that he took, that body that he was beaten for us, he said, by his stripes, you were what? Healed. And so he's reminding us, he said, do this as often as you do it, and remembrance of me, he said, remember that I, I gave you my body. Because, you know, he didn't have to do the body part. He could have skipped the body part and just done the spiritual part, right? Uh, but, no, he did that for our benefit. Amen? Uh, and what came out of his body was, was his blood, which is the second half of the communion there. And so the, the precious blood of Jesus is what purchased your redemption. Uh, when God the Father, as the judge of all mankind, looked out into eternity and measured the cost to pay for sin, uh, the cost was infinite, right? The cost to pay for sin was an infinite amount uh, uh, to pay for that sin, the judgment for that sin. And he said the only thing that could be worthy to pay for that much judgment would be the, the precious blood of the precious Lamb of God. And he said, Jesus, if you'll go to the earth and shed your blood, that blood will be sufficient to pay for all the sins of the world. Uh, and so Jesus said, I'll be glad to do that. I, I, I'll get right on that, Amen. Took him thousands of years to do it because men, men are slow and, and, and mostly stupid and don't follow his plan and will like they should. Uh, but he made it to the earth, amen? And allowed his body to be beaten so we can live, lives, uh, live physically healthy lives. And he allowed his blood to be shed so we can lead spiritually clean lives, amen? And so let's thank the Lord for the opportunity to receive communion today. So Father, we do thank you for communion. We thank you for what it represents this bread, Father, represents your body, beaten and bloodied for my benefit, Father. Put on a cross and treated poorly so that I can live a life of divine health. You did that for my benefit, Father, and I thank you for that, Lord. And I receive this bread with thanksgiving and faith that I live a life of divine health in Jesus' name. And Father, for the precious blood of Jesus that washes away all of my sins, I stand before you clean, Father, washed in your blood. I don't stand before you clean because I'm perfect and without failure. I stand before you clean because I'm washed in, in your blood. And so, Father, I have a right to approach your throne boldly, Father, because you've made me clean. You've made me worthy to do that, Father. And I know that because your word declares it to be so. And I receive that, Father, by faith. And I thank you for this blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, he chose to do, he chose to do this for us. Amen. And, uh, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, uh, and so, <laughs> what was all that noise over this side of the church? Sir? <laughs> the, what's that? 
Yeah, after it's empty, right? Not before, right? But, um, uh, but um, aren't we glad that uh, we don't follow the, the, the Catholic tradition? The Catholic tradition is just one cup. Everybody drinks from the same cup. Uh, and uh, I mean, how much backwash you reckon is in that cup? You know, I don't know. Uh, none of my business. I mean, if that's what the way it was, you know, but um, I'd be, well, I'd say I'd be okay with it. I just have to do it okay by faith, right? <laughs> and so we're thankful for the Lord. Amen. Okay, we can receive the offering now. Is that all right? All right, we've already prayed for it. Uh, let's, let's thank the Lord one more time that we can do it. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give. It's an honor to give. It's a blessing to give. We're thankful that you've prospered us, Father, to give into your kingdom. We declare it blessed and sanctified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just like our food, right? Uh, and so uh, come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. Don't forget, we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. Um, we are working our way uh, through T.J. McCross's book called Bodily Atonement and, and Healing. Uh, and uh, he's basically making the case uh, that healing was part of the, the covenant of God, the, atonement, the atoning work of, of the Lord Jesus on the cross. And, um, of course, it's, you know, if you've been around long enough, you know, well, that's kind of obvious. Well, it's still not obvious to much of the church. They think healing was done away with when the last apostle died, you know, it was done away with. And the only way for healing to be done away with is for forgiveness for sins to also be done away with. Amen. And so the whole book is really to make that case that it's not been done away with. It was, if, if sins have been dealt with, healing has been dealt with. Amen. Amen. So uh, be blessed. Have, have a wonderful afternoon. You're dismissed.